0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Unfiltered Equestrian Podcast. My name is Tammy Ost wilden and before I get too far into this podcasting journey with you, I thought I would take today to um, give you a little bit of background on myself, where I come from, and uh, why I decided to do a podcast. So um, I'm a fifth generation Montanan. My family has been in agriculture in South Central Montana since the late 1800s. Um, Yost Farm raised sugar beets and corn and uh, shorthorn cattle and um, later our family um, branched out into horse training and rodeo production. Um, One of my dad's cousins has an animal nutrition company. Um, We've kind of branched out into all aspects of uh, business throughout Montana but I think across the board, we all still have that um, ride for the brand kind of me- mentality, right? Um, you never you can take the the Montanan out of Montana, but uh, you never take Montana out of the Montanan. So, I've traveled all over the world, um, both with my horse training and with PEMF, and. I really, really enjoy meeting people from other cultures and other viewpoints, and I think that's um, not as common of a thing as it should be. When you when you come from the West, it's a pretty conservative, um, can be narrow minded, because a lot of people just never travel more than about 300 miles away from where they were born and raised. So, when I come home, sometimes I have to take take it all with a grain of salt and and recognize that those people have not been exposed to um, other cultures and other viewpoints the way that I've had the privilege of doing. So I was born in Billings, Montana. My family um, worked on a ranch north of Billings um, until I was six years old. Um, by the time I was born, um, Yost Farm had been split up into pieces by the my great grandfather and his four brothers. Um, it was no longer sustainable for that many families. So my dad went off on his own and, um, became a farrier and my mom and he were, uh, pretty happy ranching until they weren't. And they decided that they wanted to be their own boss and go out and do their own thing. So, um, while I was growing up on the ranch, it really couldn't have been a, a better place to grow up. Um, my sister and I both were raised without having um, any gender role restraints put on us. Everyone did the work. Men and women worked side by side. Um, there wasn't really a, a men's job and women's job on the ranch. Everybody worked to get it done I spent my days playing with bum lambs and uh, making harness for salamanders and hitching them to my trucks and driving them around the sidewalk. And when it was cold out, I'd go down to the basement and and play with them there. Um, We used teams to feed with. So a young mule team we had that belonged to my um, great-grandpa, We're named Bugs and Bunny, So of course I had salamanders named Bugs and Bunny. And I also had my own little donkey that my great granddad gave me named Snowball because he was white. And what else does a three-year-old little kid name a white donkey, but Snowball? So, um, my parents broke him to drive and I drove that donkey all over the place. This was pre-helmet, right? Um, I actually don't know how I survived to adulthood doing the things that I did on the ranch. But anyway, Snowball and I would uh, drive down to the turtle pond and I'd get out and time to a bush and play in the water with the frogs and the salamanders and load back up in my cart and drive back to the house. And we were at least a half mile from the house to that little pond. So I don't know how many of you have by this time I was four, uh, four-year-olds that you would turn loose with their donkey and cart to go drive down the road. But my parents did. Um, my sister was a pretty colicky baby. And so uh, in the summer, I remember having my dad's, uh, barrel, not barrel racing, but he, she did barrel racing, but his rodeo mare, uh, Dell would be, um, have the bridle on and, tied up to the fence and when I got my mom's hair too much she'd say would you just go ride so I'd go outside and climb the fence and get on that mare and ride her around the the. Um, it wasn't really a feedlot it was kind of a big corral that we brought stock in during calving and it was good size plenty of room for a kid to ride around in so I would do that and then I tie her up and go play and get back on her again. And that's how I spent my days, um, playing in the dirt and making up games and doing a lot of riding. Um, whenever I could, I rode in the tractor with my dad when they were haying and it was just a good time to be a kid. So when we moved to Joliet in 1980, um, I'd been homeschooled because, uh, as a kindergartner, because we were far enough out on the ranch that, uh, wasn't really realistic to get me into school. So they test you when you come to public school and and have been homeschooled. So I took their little test and what they didn't realize was my mom had to bribe me to sit at the table and do the work. So she's like you can't go out and ride until you get your work done. So I would buckle down and get that work done as fast as I could so I could get the heck out of there. And we had finished the entire kindergarten curriculum by Christmas. So for the rest of the year, um, she made up stuff for me to do. And when I got to test to get into elementary school, I was um, reading way above my grade level and, um, doing my math already at, um, like an end of first grade level. And I was testing to get into first grade. So they, uh, wanted to put me in second grade and my parents were like, no, because, you know, she needs to be with kids her age and blah, blah, blah. So went into the first grade and being the, you know, introverted little child that I was <laughs> not, um, I made friends right off the bat. Two of those uh, friends that I made that are still friends today, uh, Corey and Josh, um, far, far exceed your, your normal kind of definition of friends, right? Here we are at 46 years old and, and we've been friends uh, since we were six. So um, those, those two guys were my first, some of my first friends. The other was my next door neighbor, Cody. And she had, there were seven kids in that family and um, Cody was in my grades, So that was kind of fun to have a next door neighbor kid that I could go through school with as well. So um, got into school. Um, I hated school. (laughs) I was bored that first year. Got into quite a bit of trouble for talking. Um, And I think a lot of it is that some of the material was repetitive for me. And um, quite frankly, I I was just bored. So um, I did get in some trouble as a first grader. And um, moving up through school, um, I I never really struggled with it academically. Um, And as I got into uh, junior high, I was actually in some accelerated uh, English classes and not math, but um, I'm trying to think. They they called it the gifted and talented program back then. And I don't actually remember what the different classes were outside of um, mine was English and um, anything verbal, of course, was my strong point. So I think during that time, it was before No Child Left Behind, not that there's anything... Super wrong with that program. It's just, I think that in the effort to fund bringing those challenge kids up, which needs to be done, there was funding taken away from helping kids who were on the upper edge. So that might be a topic for another podcast. But at that time, I had some wonderful teachers. Um, got into high school and was very active in FFA. I competed in just about everything, Uh, public speaking, parliamentary procedure, did a little bit of mechanics. I wasn't terribly good at it, but did it because it was a team I could be on, some agronomy. I was um, quite good at livestock judging. Um, I ended up, being elected the 1992-93 Montana State FFA President, and in 1994 received the uh, Western Region Star of Acre Business for my horse training business, and was the first uh, woman to ever win that award, went on to nationals to place second. So that was um, kind of in a nutshell my upbringing until college age when I received an academic scholarship to Rocky Mount College and, uh, did my first year there. And I, I really didn't like it. Um, I had also received a full ride scholarship from, um, Texas tech university, and I didn't go there even though it was my first choice because I couldn't afford to take my horse with me. So I know that had I been able to take him with me, I would have gone there and I suspect I probably would have finished the four-year degree just right straight through. But I couldn't deal with the thought of not having having a horse with me to ride. So I went to Rocky, which was in Billings, and I could live with my great-granddad and help take care of him and keep riding. And so what happened was I was extremely unhappy with school. My grades were great, but I hated it. So, um, in would have been 19 summer of 93 after my first year of college, I uh, got an offer to go and train with a very prominent natural horsemanship trainer in California. And I loaded up and went, didn't even hesitate. And my dad was very supportive of it. I thought my mother was going to have an aneurysm. So, um, but off I went and that changed my life, changed my career. It, um, really made me realize that the horse business was where I wanted to be. So I came home and started training and had a really successful business, um, my husband, Daniel, and I met in the summer of 1998, and I had actually gone back to school uh, following a pretty severe injury. Um, I was kicked in the face by a horse in 1998 and have uh, plates reconstructing the left side of my face, um, fractured two vertebrae in my neck, so it, it kind of gave me pause for a while, and, and I went back to school majoring in communication, minoring in education, Um, and while I was in school, um, met Daniel. So it didn't take very long before I was back devoting myself to the horse business because realized that corporate America was not where I wanted to be. And, uh, together Daniel and I built Heart T Ranch Performance Horses. So Daniel finished his degree at, uh, Montana State University Bozeman in 2001. We were married in 2002. So uh, we did date for four years before we got married. Um, When I met Daniel, he didn't even know what a lead was, (laughs) but is one of the most natural horsemen I've ever been around. So I like to tease him about that. I taught him how to ride and start colts. And uh, now, since I know he doesn't listen to my podcast, (laughs) I can tell you that uh, he's a better better colt starter than I am. He has a lot of natural feel and uh, he's one of those people that can't always explain to somebody exactly what he's doing. He just has such natural feel for a horse and has a very systematic approach that we've developed together and he sticks to it and makes the most solid, fantastic horses that you'll ever throw a leg over. So, um, For 20 years, we ran Heart Tea Ranch Performance Horses. Um, Between the two of us, we have 10 national and reserve national championships and three breeds and multiple disciplines. Um, I guess it would have been about... Well, we we sold our place in Billings in 2004 and uh, bought a place here in my hometown, Joliet, Montana. Um, We were able to sell our first place for enough to buy a larger place here and... By 2006 or seven, we were done showing breed shows. Um, we just got sick of the politics and the the way that they forced you to have Western pleasure horses move in order to place, and just we went strictly discipline after that. Meaning national ring cow horse cutting. Um, dressage, jumping, and eventing; those were the disciplines that, moving forward, we focused on. So, in 2008, we built our indoor arena, and here at Heart T Ranch, and um, the rest has kind of been history. It's it's been really re- rewarding to own our own facility. Um, I've traveled all over the U.S. and Canada, teaching clinics and met some really great people and um, have the privilege to ride with fabulous upper level riders who, um, you know, I continue to try to invest in my own riding, my own education at every opportunity. I don't think that you're ever really done learning. And if you think you are, then you're probably not a very good trainer and instructor. So, um, that's just my take on it. So in, well, let's see, it's, 2020. So about 2017, I had been going to Southern California for several years. Um, The winters in Montana had just gotten to be more than I could handle. So I was in California training and Daniel had been very grumpy on the phone and I'm like, what is going on? So one night we're talking on the phone and He told me that he decided to quit the business and was going to go into law enforcement. You know, that's something that he had always wanted to do, but frankly, it didn't make enough money. He made way more money training horses than he does um, in law enforcement. And at first, my first response was I was angry that he decided to tell me while I was gone. I know that his viewpoint was I had 26 hours to drive home and cool off, but pretty much the opposite happened. I had 26 hours to drive home and get hotter and hotter every mile that I drove. So we did manage to hash that all out, and I support him completely now in his his choice to um, go into law enforcement He supported me in my dream for years, and now our our place is about paid off, and we could afford for him to do what he really wants to do. And I've seen him over the last three years get um, the joy back in his riding, and that's fulfilling for me to see because he had kind of lost that. He never loved training and teaching for the public the way that I did, he loves to, to ride and train his own horses and um, still starts my colts. but he likes not having to do it as a business. So I respect that, and I'm, I'm happy that he's now doing something that he enjoys. So for me, um, it was a real turning point. So at the time, I was suffering from... Pain from some old injuries, um, not just the getting kicked in the face and fracturing my neck, but dislocated shoulder, multiple torn rotator cuffs in the right shoulder, two in the left, a separated rib and a botched reconstructed knee surgery. So I was in a constant state of pain. In the summer of 2018, I was riding 11 horses myself with a working student working for me who was, um, well, let's see, she was the third in the line of working students who thought that they wanted to be horse trainers, but just didn't have the determination and grit and uh, work ethic to, to really be trainers. I think that it's a very romantic idea to be a horse trainer. And sometimes when the reality of everything that entails hits home, that um, kids just aren't ready to deal with it. So I, I had, minimal help and had pretty much run myself into the ground. So I was in Canada to teach a clinic. I had just re-injured my right shoulder. And, um, long story short, I met, uh, Kathy Grant in Claire's home, Alberta. I was there visiting my aunt and uncle. And, uh, Kathy was there working on my aunt's stallion for a torn suspensory. And, um, she saw I was struggling with my shoulder Worked on me and I discovered PEMF. Um, It's amazing technology. Uh, By the time she worked on me twice, and by the time I drove home, I had at least a 50% reduction in pain in that shoulder and um, some increased mobility. It helped me get through that clinic that weekend. And I drove home and got to researching PEMF and discovered that the system she had is pretty much the Cadillac of PEMF systems. So I bought one. And that was the turning point in me getting my health back, my um, strength back in order to um, ride at the level that I wanted to ride again. So here I am two years later. I'm now a sales rep for that company, an independent sales rep. And um, that has allowed me to back off of the number of outside horses that I'm training and focus more on my own riding and expand into some other areas that I had um, been toying with, but hadn't had the time or energy to um, really dive into. And one of those is this podcast. Um, I wanted a platform that I could reach out to riders around the world, um, regardless of discipline, and help them to find ways to achieve extraordinary results in their riding, in their life, in their relationships. So, that in a nutshell is what has led me to start the Unfiltered Equestrian podcast. And I'm I'm really looking forward to the interviews that I have set up, to exploring this modality as a way to connect with riders. So. I just want to thank everybody for joining me on this journey and go to um, the Unfiltered Equestrian blog at hearttranch.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-T-R-A-N-C-H.com and click on Unfiltered Equestrian. That'll take you to the blog. It'll take you to links to the Unfiltered Equestrian YouTube channel, um, all of these things I'm planning to utilize together to help, help riders to be the best that they can be. So if you have any ideas, please leave comments and messages there. If you have um, someone you'd like to hear interviewed, I'm open to ideas. And um, I look forward to our interviews here in April. I've got some good ones coming, so stay tuned and So until next time, this is Tammy Yost-Wilden, the Unfiltered Equestrian Podcast. Life's short, live unfiltered.